This is Daniel Gallardo, and you're listening to the Tenkara Cast, the podcast about the simple Japanese method of fly fishing, Tenkara. In the Tenkara Cast, I'll be sharing information with you on techniques, history, gear, and philosophies, as well as Tenkara stories from anglers all over the world. This podcast is brought to you by Tenkara USA, introducing Tenkara outside of Japan since 2009. It is only possible we create content such as this podcast and all the videos that we create because of your support, so we thank you so very much for purchasing Tenkara USA rods, lines, and flies. I hope you enjoy learning more about the simple Japanese method of fly fishing, Tenkara. Welcome back to another episode of the Tenkara Cast, the relaunched edition. My name is Daniel Gallardo. I'm the host and founder of Tenkara USA. And today's topic is going to be finding waters. You know, where you can find waters to fly fishing these times that we are all looking for social distancing. But before I get into that topic, I want to thank each and every one of you for helping us. Um, like any small business around the country right now, we are facing unprecedented times, times of uncertainty. You know, we don't know exactly what's going to happen even tomorrow. Things have been changing kind of fast. And we were put in a situation where we prepared for a great spring season, you know, of sales. We stocked up on inventory. We manufactured a lot of rods and other products um, in anticipation of, you know, a really good sales season. And like any fishing business, uh, we kind of go a little dormant throughout the winter and we kind of look forward to sales picking up. And we made all that investment and all of a sudden, boom, you know, we're hit with uh, what's happening around us. And I put out a statement yesterday and I also asked for a little bit of help. Um, you know, we didn't ask for donations or anything like that. That's not what we need. Uh, we just wanted to sell some rods, give you a good deal. And we just asked you, you know, if you were keeping an eye on a Tenkara rod or had a friend uh, who might be interested in learning how to fly fish right now for you to spread the word. And you have come through and through for us. I'm incredibly grateful. I was extremely anxious last week because one of the facilities that we work with, which does the receiving and, sh and uh, packaging for us, they were closed with a one day notice. Uh, so we have, we know, some product got stuck there, and it's okay. But that place was also our contingency plan. I've always kind of planned to have inventory in a couple of different locations in case of dis disruptions. Um, that place in California closed, and that was our contingency plan. And all of a sudden, we start seeing around the country things moving really, really fast. And I started getting a little anxious about what if our main fulfillment center, you know, we outsourced that portion to another company. Um, and they recently moved their warehouse to Dallas uh, in Texas. And what if they were to shut the doors, you know, with a day's notice? We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So before anything happened, uh, you know, just to kind of be able to pay our employees, be able to pay our bills, we just wanted to move some inventory. And we being seeing the numbers really come through, gives us a lot of room to breathe. And I'm incredibly grateful on behalf of the whole staff at Tenkara USA because, you know, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, we hope nothing. <laughs> we hope things get better really quickly. But um, really appreciate the help that you've been giving us and uh, very grateful. And we hope to be there with you for the long term. You know, we're all in this together uh, and we don't want to stop doing the good that we do right now because of this. So thanks so much for 
purchasing the rod, telling your friend about it. Uh, we still have the sale going on. It's a 30% discount on the rod if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, so any of our Tenkario Say rods, and we're throwing in a free hat with every order. We're just putting that in the box, you know, at the warehouse. But that's it. You know, that's mostly, you know, I'm grateful for that. Um, but today I don't want to focus on the COVID messaging. <laughs> I don't want to tell you much more about it. We all kind of stressed. We're all facing these times together. What I'd like to do today is get you some tools that, at least one tool here, that might be helpful um, in your fishing. So right now we're trying to socially distance, but we're also being asked not to travel. Uh, we're also being asked not to go to perhaps our favorite river that might be three, four hours away. We are asked to be staying close to home, um, but the outdoors is it's an incredibly healing um, thing for all of us. You know, we we take a lot of comfort in spending time, whether it's in the in the trees, in the field, uh, in the bush, and of course in a stream. So, uh, luckily, we're not being asked at this point to stop fishing. Um, you know, even though some locations, rightfully so in my opinion, have closed, um, we still have a lot of options. Most of us do, anyways. Fortunately, uh, have some options. Um, for places to go fishing. And what I think this is, is a great opportunity for us to find new waters, explore waters that maybe we have overlooked so far. Um, and that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. Today I want to talk about finding waters. Because oftentimes we kind of, like myself, you know, I might fall into a routine and for a period of time I just start going to the same stream a little bit more frequently. Oftentimes, they're not the streams really close to my home um, because I, you know, some either fish those enough or maybe I overlook those. Um, and when I talk about streams, I should talk about waters. You know, sometimes we overlook the ponds close to home or the canals, you know, the ditch, irrigation ditches close to home and so forth. Um, and in my experience in the past, sometimes, you know, like I've had the, the pond that I overlooked uh, unless conditions are blown out everywhere. Um, I've also had this, you know, the, the times that maybe I was fishing my local water very frequently. And all of a sudden I started feeling like, man, I'm just kind of fishing for my neighbors. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to catch neighbors here and that's not what I want to do. Um, you know, I don't need to be catching the fish out of the stream that is close to my home all the time. So I kind of took breaks uh, from fishing certain waters, um, mostly to kind of, you know, change the scenery and that kind of thing. But right now, you know, we're staying close to home. So let's talk a little bit about that. And first of all, I want to point out a great resource that uh, was put together a few years ago. The first issue of the Tenkata magazine, uh, we had an article by Steve Schweitzer. He's the author of the Indian Pe Guide, Fly Fishing Guide to Indian Peaks Wilderness. And he's also the author of Fly Fishing Guide to Rocky Mountain National Park. Rocky Mountain National Park right now is closed, uh, by the way. But he wrote a great article for the magazine about ideas uh, on and tools on how to find waters to go fishing. And I might cover some of the same things here, possibly. Uh, there's definitely going to be overlap because there's only so many ways to find new waters. Uh, but if you want to look for that article, that magazine, the first issue uh, of the magazine, is available for free. 
if you go to Tenkari, I think the easiest place is to go right now is tenkariusa.com forward slash blog. And we have a couple of blog posts recently, uh, but you'll see the one with uh, the free magazine. And uh, page 39 is where the article is. So you can download the PDF, read what Steve Schweitzer has to say. Um, the the main thing, like I was reading the article before, um, you know, I, I um, started recording this because I want to make sure not to cover too much of what he has covered. Uh, but the first thing that caught my eye close to the opening of his uh, article was the, the, the Tenkara Perfect concept. You know, many years ago, we started using the, con- the term Tenkara Perfect. And he go- Steve goes on to define what might be Tenkara Perfect waters, as we have done in the past on our blog. So we often talked about Tenkara Perfect as being the, that kind of tumbly mountain stream, pocket water, you know, place with moving water where a long Tenkara rod would allow you to reach on the other side of the currents like no other can, rod can do. You have no line to mend. And, you know, so it's those places where presentations can be really challenging with a conventional Western fly fishing setup, but where Tenkara really shines. So oftentimes that's kind of what we talked about when we talked about Tenkara perfect waters. Now, when I read that, I was like, well, it might be time to redefine Tenkara perfect uh, for all intents and purposes. And I'm going to suggest that for the time being, Tenkara Perfect is that water close to home that perhaps offers um, an opportunity for exploration. And he also offers an opportunity for us to step out of our comfort zone. You know, we are in these times where, um, you know, we are stepping out of our comfort zone, uh, but that might be a good time to kind of look at Tenkara water, Tenkara Perfect waters as those that whether we can walk or bicycle to that are not going to have a lot of people that perhaps are not the types of waters that we're used to fishing. So in the past, we talked about streams. Now they might be a pond. Um, if, uh, you know, perhaps the, you found that ponds and lakes were the perfect place for Tenkara, you know, are there little irrigation ditches that actually could have fish close to you? Um, or if you usually fish ponds, you know, is there like a very small creek? So that's kind of um, what I'd like to suggest is Tenkara Perfect for the time being. Now, I'm very used to fishing streams, you know, like when we oftentimes talk about Tenkara um, in all of our marketing, we have focused on the mountain streams. You know, those are the waters that I typically like to go fishing and I'm very fortunate to have a couple of mountain streams close to home that I could actually bicycle to Uh, but even closer to my house I have some ponds and coincidentally uh, at this time of year maybe a little bit later actually we're going to start having a runoff season when the snow starts melting the streams start getting blown out a little too fast Uh, to effectively fish so usually like around april may i actually start exploring the ponds close to my house because the water is stable and i have a lot of fun catching those bass uh the bluegill and so forth they they can be a blast you know to catch the the panfish but i want to ask you are there is there a pond maybe close to your home that you never bother fishing you know because you just know that there's panfish in there and maybe they're too easy to catch. And I'd like to suggest that you go try those. You know, they're close to home. Chances are you have plenty of space to not be near anybody. Um, and you might be surprised, you know, when you step out of that comfort zone 
and you explore something new and maybe you have either a preconceived notion of what a fight with a bluegill might be like uh, or perhaps you have had the experience in the past and you didn't like it, this might be the perfect opportunity to go and revisit that uh, because we all change, you know, and um, perhaps, you know, 10 years ago, you did a little bit of pond fishing uh, and you caught some bluegill and they're particularly small that day. And this time you go there and you catch a larger bluegill and they're really strong fighters. Or perhaps you used a fly rod, you know, maybe a six weight fly rod, which a lot of us start with. And maybe the fight wasn't particularly great because the rod is kind of stiff. And now you have a tenkata rod in your hand. That fight with a bluegill in a pond close to your home is going to be significantly different. It's going to give you an incredible amount of joy, really. And it's a lot of fun, uh, you know, to, to do that, to change the scenery a lot of time, times. And why not do that right now? The... One thing that oftentimes comes up is, you know, people ask me, like, so how do I know if there's fish in the water? Um, and that's, you know, a very valid question. My experience is that most places, if they're not a seasonal creek that dries, you know, throughout the dry season and then comes back to life when the snow melts and that kind of thing, if there are a perennial stream uh, or a body of water, there's a very good chance that there's going to be fish in there. <clears throat> and the chances improve, you know, if the, that body of water is linked to a lake, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, the little stream is an outlet from a lake or whether it goes into a lake because that lake, would, chances are it's going to have some fish and the fish are either going to come up the stream or perhaps, you know, they're going down the stream if, if the lake has an outlet and that's where you're fishing now. But one really fun way uh, to, do, to, to know if there are fish, especially now when we're not taking a very far away trip, you know, it's a little different if we're driving two hours to explore a creek uh, that we've never fished before, you know, that's a lot of time to put into with some uncertainty. But the benefit of exploring some waters close to, our, to us is that we have chances to fail, uh, but we also have chances to go and observe. And that's the other thing that I want to bring up here. You know, is uh, fishing doesn't have to have a rod, line, and fly. As counterintuitive as, it's, as, it, it, as it may seem, um, I think a huge part of fishing, or what makes fishing fishing, is actually just going out and observing the fish, seeing if there are fish there, seeing what they're doing. Um, and if you want to pull out a rod, great, you know. Uh, but the sport itself, we call it fishing. We don't call it catching. Uh, and that's, you know, usually I kind of say that uh, in terms of, you know, we're not always catching fish. Sometimes we get skunked. Sometimes we don't have that many fish. We're not calling it catching. But we're calling it fishing. Um, so we can look at fishing as the same way as a lot of people look at birding, <laughs> you know, it, it might sound funny, but I have taken an incredible amount of joy when I go walk my dog, uh, my dog by a stream, and I see some movement underwater, and I love just watching those fish, especially the ones close to my home, because as I mentioned, I have had a chance to fish most bodies of water close to my house, so after a while, I don't feel like I have to be catching those fish. 
I still do. <laughs> I still pull my rod out. You know, there's nothing quite like the tug, as we say. The tug is the drug. Um, but if you haven't done that, you know, if you if you haven't just gone out simply for the sake of watching fish, highly recommend that you do it because when you don't have that objective of catching them, you pay attention to things that you may not have noticed in the past. You know, you might see a fish eating in a different position than you might imagine, you know, like you think that they're always facing upstream and all of a sudden you notice how much downstream time they're, you know, how much downstream they're facing as well. Um, You might notice that there's bugs that go right by them and they're not taking them, you know, natural bugs, not your flies. So you can learn a whole lot just by observing. And of course, when you're scouting waters, you can go walk by a stream, see if you see any movement, uh, see if you see any flashes. Purposefully, maybe sometimes, uh, especially in a stream, but sometimes in a lake too, uh, you can go and purposefully spook the fish, you know, just step in the water, you know, kind of go by a rock, you know, walk a little bit more, um, you know, make yourself visible and see if you see a little fish darting, you know, from under a rock or towards a rock and that kind of thing. So it's a lot of fun, in my opinion, to go and explore without even having a fishing rod, as uh, counter- counterintuitive as, as, it, as I said, especially in these times, you know, we're trying to kind of try different things, you know, not stay bored and that kind of thing. Um, but when you observe it, you can always, you can always go back with a rod and catch a fish when you want to. So that's kind of my thinking, I think, for, you know, scouting waters, figuring out if there are fish, especially if they're closer to you and that kind of thing. Now, the other thing that I want to talk about uh, in the way that Steve also broke his article up is that there are tools nowadays that are incredibly helpful for us to find waters nearby. I was actually surprised. So just this morning, and this is what inspired my uh, the topic for today, I got a message from Faith, uh, my assistant uh, that works with me here at Tenkata USA. And we, in Boulder, there's a new stay-at-home order, you know, starting tonight, we're going to have to stay at home, you know, unless it's for uh, exercising or doing some uh, important activities. But she has been exploring, she's actually been in Boulder for longer than I have. She knows a ton of trails around here. She does a lot of hiking. And she just texted me this morning saying that she was on a new, she just discovered a new trail that she had never been to before. And she crossed the stream and she's wondering if there's fish there, you know, so that's kind of the, the topic that I just covered. But it is amazing that, you know, for somebody who's hiked as much as she has near her home, uh, for all of a sudden for her to be exploring a new location and find a body of water that she was not aware of. Um, I don't know if there's fish there. You know, I think uh, I'm going to have to suggest that she goes and observes it. Uh, she said the pools are pretty small, uh, but who knows? You know, the sometimes, you know, the water recedes a little bit. Sometimes conditions are a little drier, and the fish will concentrate in those pools, and they're spooky, so they go under the rocks as the first sign of uh, motion, and you don't know if there's fish there because they're hanging down, they're hunkering down, and then when the water goes up, they start coming out of the... The, the woodworks, if you will, they start coming out from underneath a rock. So in terms of tools, 
First of all, of course, exploring, you know, just go on a trail. Yeah, that's uh, especially if you're near bodies of water. She, I don't think she expected to cross a stream today uh, or yesterday, I think, is when she hiked. Um, but in terms of tools, there are two particular ones that I want to mention. Nowadays, we have all this beautiful technology that allows us to scout out places. First of all, the first one is one that most likely you're familiar with, which is Google Earth or Google Maps. Uh, but Earth in, Google Earth in particular, I find it helpful because you can see the, the terrain relief in 3D. Um, and oftentimes, if you kind of see something that could funnel water down, you can kind of start observing where drainages may form and where the streams are going to be. So that's kind of fun to, to be able to follow um, a drainage, you know, in Google Earth. And sometimes the map may not even show there's a blue line in there. They usually do, but I have come across a couple places that um, didn't have a blue line and I found water and I have found fish. And... It's rare. I don't think that's very common. Uh, or maybe the map that I was looking at just didn't have it. Other maps might have had it. But that's one thing I want to mention. The other one, obviously, is topographic maps. Uh, you know, you see a blue squiggly line or a blue, you know, filled blue circle. Those are going to be bodies of water. And those are often places that are good to explore. Uh, they're a little bit more obvious. Uh, but the other thing that I suggest when you look at topographic maps, if you're not very familiar with it, uh, look for the legend for canals. And I have seen it um, where canals didn't look like streams because they're straight lines. Um, and the legend might be different in every map, you know, for what a canal looks like or an irrigation ditch. And I have some of those close to my house here. Uh, and I'm familiar with most of them, but I didn't know where they go. So sometimes I go into the map and I kind of see where he ends up. And a lot of these places have fish. Um, it might depend on where you are and that kind of thing. But I have found that uh, the canals here have some, there's one irrigation ditch that has trout. And they tend to come up a lot when the water goes high, you know, and just more water flowing. They come out of the lake and we find a pretty big trout actually. Uh, other place that I fished before, and we actually made some videos, uh, have carp and large bass as well, like small mouth, but pretty large size bass. So have you ever explored those? You know, are they within reach from your house? Can you bicycle, can you walk to them? Or maybe a short drive, we can still drive. But here's my favorite tool, the one that I want to mention, because uh, I've been using it a lot for all kinds of activities that I do, which is Gaia, G-A-I-A. -A. And most of the stuff that I'm referring here, I'm going to put on the, uh, the podcast page for this podcast episode. So if you go to tencariose.com forward slash podcast, you're going to find this episode on Finding Waters. There's going to be a link uh, to Gaia. But Gaia is a mapping app. I think it's available on every phone. Um, and what I love about it, and there might be other ones that do similar things, but Gaia has a really large number of layers that you can download and you can turn them on and off and you can change the transparency of the layers. There's too many for me to count, <laughs> um, but there's going to be like you know, slope shading, so you can see kind of like what kind of uh, shading there is. But there's also like, uh, there's actually bodies of water um, 
layers, I believe, in there as well. Uh, there's, there's a lot of them. But my favorite layer that I have found, I use all, uh, I use all the time, is the, the there's two layers actually. Um, and once you download Gaia, it starts becoming a little bit more intuitive, uh, what I'm talking about. But the two layers that I use a lot are public land, US, obviously I'm talking about the United States, private land and public access properties. That's three, but public land and private land layers. I use that all the time. They're overlaid over my Gaia, uh, main Gaia map. And the reason I use those is because oftentimes I might see a body of water and every state is going to be different. But in Colorado, if there's private property on both sides, you may not have access to it. Um, uh, if somebody owns both sides of the, 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 the stream, uh, technically I'm not supposed to be in the water um, over there. So there's a stream close to my house here, not too far anyways. Um, where I can only go a certain distance. Uh, but you can see who owns the property, which I never go ask for permission, but you can see if it, there's some public access or if there's access issues, or if you can just go there because it's part of national forests, national parks, open spaces and whatnot um, that's in your area. So those are terrific apps. And I use the public lands um, a lot as well because it shows you national forest. Um, not right now, obviously, because I'm not camping, but I use that a lot for camping throughout the year because I can camp in National Forest for free. Um, there's actually, I'm looking at my app right now because I was trying to remember the layers that I like. Uh, if you go there, there's a Net Geographic Fishing and River Maps layer that you can overlay over your map as well. Um, and there is a... Um, a trails um, map as well. So there's all kinds of layers uh, that you can download. And this is a tool that is available for free uh, with a limited amount of functionality, uh, but you can also pay, I think it was like 30 something dollars a year. Um, and I pay that, I pay for the premium access because I can download any of the layers they have. I can save all these different places and and I, have rec I record most of the times that I'm out because the other way that it comes in handy is when you're exploring, especially in new water, and especially if it's a place where, you know, it's densely wooded, you know, there's not a whole lot of features, you don't want to get lost. <laughs> and especially now, uh, you know, I've been kind of uh, keeping an eye out on the search and rescue team here, which I'm trying to join uh, in Boulder. And there's all these notifications asking people not to take risks because they don't want to expose the search and rescue volunteers. Some search and rescue volunteers might be going through things. Maybe they work in uh, healthcare and so forth. So we want to minimize any chances of injury or getting lost. But what I always do, and there's, I'll tell you a story in a second, but what I always try to do is when I go to a new body, uh, a new place, and I want to explore, it's not a fail-proof thing. My battery can run out. I can drop my phone in the water and whatnot, but I always record my track um, because if I get confused about where I am, I can always follow you back. And... Um, Yes, you know, it's not fail-proof. As I mentioned, ideally, I'm going to have a printed map with me as well. It's really handy to have that. But the best map that you have is the one that is always with you. So um, I've never had an issue until 
uh, last year when I was in a new place. It wasn't a fishing trip. I was actually foraging for mushrooms. And, you know, my wife and I were exploring a new area. Um, we do this all the time. We explore, uh, we forage for edible mushrooms. And we get to this place and we start finding morels, uh, type of mushroom that we like eating. And I didn't turn Gaia on. I didn't turn any of the maps on because the idea is that we never would get more than like a couple hundred yards from the car. You know, we should be able to see the car at all times. And we've done this so many times that I was like, yeah, it's no big deal. And that led to the one of the more terrifying experiences of my life. <laughs> because, so there we are hunting for mushrooms for, you know, an hour, an hour and a half. The mosquitoes are getting really bad. And Margaret wants to go back to the car. So I was like, okay. And uh, she was a little afraid that she would get lost. And I'm like, no, you don't have to worry. You can actually see the car. We could see the van uh, right there. So it was just a straight line for her to get to it. She went, left me alone. Um, because I was never supposed to be far away from the car. I didn't have much water. I probably had like a quarter cup of water in my small bottle. Didn't have a light. Didn't have a fire starting thing i had nothing uh quarter quarter a uh, cup of water and a little knife that i was using to cut mushrooms which is not much the mosquitoes are also really bad as i mentioned so she left went to the car i told her i'll probably be there in about half an hour but the problem too is that she knows that my half an hour is never half an hour you know uh she's very used to me just saying like oh yeah i'll be there in a minute and an hour later i'm there you know she had some reading material she stayed in a van you know, she probably wouldn't bother looking for me. But all of a sudden, I start finding a lot of mushrooms, a lot of edible mushrooms. And I'm picking them left and right, and I'm picking them, and I'm looking down. And that entire time, I started feeling a little anxious. It's like, because every time I would turn, pick some more mushrooms. And we were in a very densely uh, wooded area with no features nearby. There's no hills. There's no streams nearby. There's nothing. It was just very, very flat on top of a, a hilly kind of area. A lot of trees all looked the same. And the entire time, every time I turn around, I'm telling myself, okay, the car is over this shoulder. And I turn around a little bit more to pick more mushrooms. Okay, now the car is there. And I thought I was keeping good track of it. All of a sudden, I feel like I'm done. I feel like it's getting late. The mosquitoes are starting to get to me. Uh, so I decided to go back to the car. I start walking in the direction I thought the car should be. And I'm not getting to it. <laughs> and I start walking and I'm not getting to the car. So I, you know, decided to stop for a second, decided to pull up a map for the first time. I pull up Google Maps because I, you know, I had pulled the directions to get to this place. It was in the National Forest. I thought I knew roughly which dirt roads we took and parked. So I pull the map and I think I know where the car is. So I start going the direction. And I start walking and I walk about 10 more minutes and I'm not getting to the car. And all of a sudden I start seeing features, which I hadn't seen. I saw like a bog, you know, like just some marshy kind of area. And then I know that I'm in the wrong place. And Luckily, I had had this issue in a much lower consequence area when I was traveling abroad, and Google Maps was sending me in the wrong way because the, there's a flaw, there's some kind of bug, where on my iPhone in particular, the model, I think it was the XS, uh, the compass orientation in Google Maps can be reversed for some reason. 
And luckily I remember that and I'm like, shit, Google Maps is sending me in the wrong way. So I pulled up Gaia and for some reason Gaia was accurate and it was actually showing me the exact opposite orientation. So I start following that for a while, about 20 minutes later, I get to the car, but really taught me the value of always having um, a recording device with me if I'm exploring a new area, especially if it doesn't have a whole lot of features. Luckily, if you're in a stream, things can be a little easier because usually there's kind of some kind of drainage and usually you know if you're going up or down the stream and that kind of thing, but sometimes you don't because you have to be a little farther away. So just a lesson learned for me, something that I thought I'd share as I close this episode of the Tenkara cast. Love to connect with you, um, you know, especially if you have something to add, any tools, any strategies that you have used to finding waters that uh, were new to you, that were outside of your comfort zone. Uh, but also, like, would love to hear from you, what are you doing these times? You know, like, when are you spending more time inside? Are you exploring some waters that you hadn't explored before? If you come to our podcast page, tenkariusa.com forward slash podcast, and you look for the Finding Waters, leave a comment right there. You can do it via being logged in via Facebook or just through our blog page directly, uh, or leave us a comment in Facebook and social media. We just love to see what you're up to. Um, you know, these times, these days, we're asked, to, we're asked to be socially distant, but I realize that I absolutely hate that term as I've heard some other people saying, what I prefer to say is that we are distancing together. You know, we have to physically distance, but it's a great time for us to connect a little bit more closely. Luckily, we have the, the channels to do that nowadays. You know, if this happened 20 plus years ago, maybe it'll be a little bit harder to connect. But let's connect. Uh, let's see what you're up to, what you're exploring, how you're spending your time. Uh, leave us a comment. And once again, thank you so very much for supporting the sale that we're doing, 30% off on all rods, uh, for spreading message and so forth. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Tankara Cast. And until next time. And as always, I'd like to especially thank Nick Ogawa Takenobu. You can find his music at takenobumusic.com, as well as our Spotify playlists. In Spotify, just look up Tenkara, and you should find Tenkara tunes with a lot of Takenobu's music. You'll find any information referenced to this podcast at tenkarayose.com forward slash podcast. Just find the link to this podcast episode, and you'll find any photos, links, or other information referenced right there. This song is called Voyage Across the Sea.